0: Join us for PR Safari, a podcast by Center for Public Relations. PR Safari, your ultimate guide to navigate the complex PR landscape in Africa. Find us at www.cpr.africa. Hello, my name is Chris Wangalua. Our guest and guide today is Alfred Nganga. Alfred is partner at Oxygen MLC.
1: I started off as a journalist, having studied at the Kenya Institute of Mass Communication in my early days, and also at uh, MOI University. And in my early days, I think the most interesting bit was basic newsroom reporting. So I have worked for several organisations, from interning for Action Aid, coming through to working for organisations such as The Standard, People Daily, and a very, very, very brief stint at the Nation Media Group, where I never actually stuck for long. In those very, very early days, you've been at
0: Genotain, for instance, and then here we are. You are at Oxygen. How has that progression been so that you found yourself in public relations?
1: My progression, I would say, has actually been almost like a military cadet, starting off from a lieutenant to a captain to a major, colonel and uh, maybe brigadier, heading to major general and a general for that matter. Okay. And uh, I use a lot of military analogy because I also come from Nanyuki in Lake kipia County, uh-huh. which is a military uh, kind of a zone. So growing up, really, military was what we saw. And that inspired me to get into the early days, as I've mentioned, in terms of journalism and uh, that kind of uh, early career stuff. My first public relations stint was with Ginadin Corporate Communications. And uh, Ginadin was one of the very early uh, integrated uh, corporate communications house that was servicing top cream of the corporates in Kenya back then, all the way from uh, Safaricom, immediately after launch, we mm-hmm. launched Safaricom okay. at the turn of uh, 2000, there about. We had other clients from uh, Crown, Paints to Marshalls, TPS Serena Hotels, KCB, among others. We, we really had so many clients uh, at that early point. And there were not many other big players mm-hmm. at the level that we were playing at in the early 2005, heading yeah. to 2010, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. thereabouts, or even earlier. And therefore, that shaped my very early engagements mm-hmm. in uh, public relations. After Ginadine Corporate Communications, I moved to Ogilvy, Kenya back then, which had uh, also started a public relations entity. And I was under the wings of one uh, very illustrious gentleman and individual, Mr. Kome Mwambia, who had yeah. also just left a few years earlier. Who had left where? Kenya, is. Okay, yes. Here, and started the Ogilvy PR wing because mm-hmm. Ogilvy had always existed but as an advertising company. So yes. we were some of the very early public relations players within the Ogilvy space in this uh, region. After Ogilvy, I then moved to a different company called Mediage. Again, mm-hmm. uh, was associated with uh, uh, Kome Mwambia. Did you move with Kome?
0: Or... Yeah, I
1: moved before Kome. Okay. Kome then uh, joined us with uh, Okothobado, And we were again with a very illustrious entrepreneur, Estangomeli, mm-hmm. who again uh, grounded us very well in terms of management principles and everything that goes with it. And after Media Edge, I was back to Ogilvy again for another uh, brief stint. And after Ogilvy, we decided to found Oxygen Marketing Communications Limited. And uh, here we are alongside a few colleagues. Mr. Nick Washira, who was a managing editor at uh, Business Daily and the East African. James Macau, who was also at the Business Daily back then. Mutahi Mureithi, who is also a well-grounded communicator, having served at several organizations, including PTA Bank, also The Standard. He was a business editor at The Standard Group. And, of course, we were chaired by Mr. Linus Getahi, former managing director at Nation Media Group. And out of it, with all those years that I've been in all those organizations, I think I've literally worked on all leading accounts in this region. Being able to manage for instance
0: Safaricom and
1: then moving
0: on to these other account with another organization or even the same organization what are these stark differences with handling big accounts?
1: The stark differences and tracing back to the early beginnings is the progress that we've made. We used to be really pure press agentry kind of service providers but I can say that now we are at almost beyond two way asymmetrical and symmetrical Mm -hmm. kind of service provision Mm -hmm. whereby most of these accounts are actually very conscious about how they communicate to their stakeholders and the publics and they also want to really hear their feedback and they want to have a play in terms of their stakeholders having a say in Mm -hmm. what they do, how they do, how they relate in terms of maintaining goodwill and reputation amongst them. I would say that it has been an incredible journey, it's almost like seeing a child grow. Even in college, they tell you that they are those agencies that used to provide cocktail kind of services. Yes, that's where we started, yeah. and that's what was accepted back then. Mm-hmm. But it's not what it is today. To a fact that, in most instances, we do not no longer see product launches as press conferences only. Yes, It's wider. Mm-hmm. It's uh, engaging with whoever needs to use that product to be able to appreciate what the product is all for, price point that they would be able to move in into and not just experience but also the value Mm -hmm. so the product is infused into a market in a more strategic uh, dimension than perhaps was done 15 18 years ago yes we are no longer seeing the big launches that perhaps we used to see and believe that they're effective we're now using more smart measurable kind of solutions that are able to to really get us into the next level of uh, consumer education, public awareness, and of course, public affairs, which is a key component in terms of building your reputations and maintaining relations with uh, government and public entities, including regulatory agencies and all that.
0: I'll take you back to your time at Ginadin And the reason why we have to go back that far is because at the turn of 2000 thereabouts it sounds almost like there was only one agency well there were others mm-hmm. but then you would feel Ginadin is way tier
1: yes let me clarify there were other agencies and Ginadin started almost uh, at the end of the 90s mm-hmm. uh, i'm not very sure 97-ish, 97 ish yes 97 yeah 90, having spoken to yes and uh, one of the key elements that Gina brought was a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. there are very many other agencies okay now, come into the turn of the new decade, at the early 2000. Within that period, there was also higher market demand in terms of what was required for PIA. This we can also trace back more to globalization. The changes that you are seeing in Kenya were the same changes that were happening in South Africa, mm-hmm. uh, in Dubai. Global in Village Ken- now. It, uh, now yeah. that brings in the Global Village element in terms of the demands uh, that, that consumers uh, who are clients were demanding of their agencies mm-hmm. and the capability that they were also demanding. And largely at that particular period was more uh, media visibility. Uh, media relations mm-hmm. and of course the capacity to provide solid media liaison and that helped a lot of organizations therefore to differentiate themselves in terms of what offering they were providing i mean that's that's when a company like serena tps serena hotels uh, came into largely into the fold as the you know foremost premium collection of yeah. hotels mm-hmm. in kenya and in the region to an extent that many a times, any media release, even when it on or, or statement or published article, even when it was our early pluralism kind of players, multi-party leaders, mm-hmm. the article would say that the event was at Nairobi Serena uh-huh. Hotel. Uh-huh. That was very good positioning. yeah, And yeah. it helped uh, really to position the facility. And you won't see a lot of that nowadays. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, we've gone back to the event was at an Nairobi hotel. And people are even leaving
0: hotels, and now they're doing it at the venues.
1: Yes. All this has to be deliberate. Even Mm. then, it was deliberate. We really did a lot of work to ensure that people would refer to that press conference having been staged at, uh, you know, uh, the Nairobi uh, Serena Hotel. And looking back, those were the really beginnings of strategic Mm -hmm. PR I remember, again, in the very early days of uh, Safaricom, there was a lot of media training that was done to bring reporters and editors up to speed in terms of understanding how a mobile phone call is terminated. Mm -hmm. How do you originate it? How do you terminate it? Those were the days when, uh, on Friday, the network would be Mm clogged, and particularly in town. Mm -hmm. And I remember Michael Joseph used to really try and explain it deeply in the sense that, you know, A mobile phone operates just like a highway. And in Kenya, everyone, uh, for one reason or another, had a pension to call from noon all the Mm. way to, let's say, 7 o'clock. And all of them were calling within the CBD. And therefore, the network within that area would really not manage the call traffic. And uh, I remember the data at that particular point. I think we had the highest call traffic higher than New York. Of course, New York would be different from us in the sense that they had diversity of other call options. You don't have to call on a mobile. But in Kenya, our only solution in terms of calling, either to ask friends, where are we meeting up? Where are we having lunch? How is the weekend looking? Was all through a mobile phone.
0: That would be interesting to know how you handled it because then I imagine one of the ways to handle it is to advise people to call (laughs) at at, at different times or or maybe increase the frequency so that then it's
1: capable to handle? It was a multiplicity of solutions. Mm -hmm. One, because there's a technical aspect where the network needs to be optimized to handle that call traffic, growing Mm -hmm. uh, call traffic. Because again, the call traffic in Kenya was growing at a phenomenal rate. It was Mm -hmm. not what had been planned for. It was beating all the targets uh, really by more than maybe 300-400% on a monthly, weekly basis, year to year. And therefore, the technical elements were handled very well at Safaricom. However, there was the public communication element, which would now require even the journalists themselves understanding how this whole process operates, so that even when they communicate, then Mm. they are able to explain that we really don't have to always place our calls at Friday 1pm or 2pm or 3pm because that's when uh, it looked like everyone would wait the whole week and then place their call on that particular day. Again, for one reason or another, we had a a penchant also to to call and simply ask Kukoapi. So it would never (laughs) be an element of uh, a full conversation. They were very short bits and I think they've persisted to date.
0: You've been part of trying to help government communication happen and somehow we still have challenges going on might you want to take us through what has been going on make us understand exactly why things happen the way they do today and whether it is pegged on communication
1: or leadership it's pegged more on communication than on leadership Mm -hmm. and uh, when i look at My scenario, I get pulled into a lot of the government public communication spaces, largely because government is also very dynamic. When I look back, maybe 40 or almost 60% of my former clients are now in government. They are not politicians, and some are politicians, but they are former corporate titans who have transitioned from their former jobs to now serving in public and government spaces. Naturally, what happens within that kind of leadership is they borrow heavily from the standards and the benchmarks that they maintained in uh, the private sector Mm -hmm. coming into uh, the public sector. Now, what has happened is that within the government communication framework, perhaps that shift has not kept pace Uh with the changing leadership scenario. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you, you most likely find that public communicators were previously what was called information officers. They have now transformed into public communication. And the focus really is to provide credible communication on what the government is doing for its people using not just publicity platforms. I think in my assessment, the challenge has always been how do you create the relationship with this new PS, CS, Mm -hmm. uh, who has come in? From the private sector and expects some level of communication to be done in a certain way that he feels more comfortable with and you you've been in government for the last maybe so many years and therefore you, there's a way you also believe it should be done mm-hmm. so the problem here is not one of the structure of communication leadership or communication frameworks for that matter no, it's it's purely relationship building. Okay. And those who have built the relationships with their bosses and colleagues for that matter... They're doing very well. Yeah. How do you perceive
0: strategic communication?
1: My perception of strategic communication is that we really are professional solution providers. As professional solution providers, the market is demanding for us to provide very innovative solutions. Innovation means that you take interest in new media. One, you take interest in delivering things a different way that has never been delivered. Perhaps public sector is uh, doing very well in delivering information with uh, infographics, with media releases, with podcasts, with uh, videos, multimedia tools. How can we incorporate the same in government in instances where it has not been done before? Mm -hmm. So we cannot continue saying that that's not how we do things. That's not the structure. Yeah. That's not how we have done what we yeah. have done. Let's try the new thing. It yeah. works, it works. If it doesn't work, we will perfect it as we move along.
0: Have you ever considered... You know
1: the way you
0: sit with the, with the management, for instance, and you look at the problem and you say, that's not a communication
1: problem? We do. Okay. As I mentioned, uh, and, and you asked a good question, uh, back in the day in terms of the SafariCom issues with the network, it was a technical issue. It was yeah. not a communication issue. yes, And uh, it's a technical issue arising from the success of the organization. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle it? Again, the handling of the issue then, just because it's a technical issue, has now to encompass all the other facets of human communication for that matter. And that's where now, even at Oxygen Marketing Communications Limited, we are now using a converged or an integrated uh, communication solution. We will not just diagnose your problem and provide you with a PR solution. Mm -hmm. Most likely you are not looking just or you don't just need a PR solution. You also need a digital solution because we are looking at your target audience and saying, even if you published opinion editorials in newspapers, you may not sway the target audience appropriately if you are not on LinkedIn, if you are not on TikTok, Twitter, you are not on Facebook, uh, among other platforms. So yes, we have been in those rooms where we have assessed an issue and have confidently mentioned that, you know, this is not a communication problem. However, it would also require some level of communication to get out of the challenge that currently exists. That's the mark of professional communication practitioners.
0: Thank you very much, Alfred Nanga. We appreciate making time and uh, looking forward to have more conversations beyond this day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good.